Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kidd from Elides, joined as ever by my good friend Dr Sid Lowe. Hello Sidney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm okay, we've had match day 24, things were back to normal, you were back at Getafe, so all is right with the world. You know, It feels a bit weird when Getafe are playing at home and you're not there. But fortunately, that uh, that was righted this week. So um, that was good to see. Uh, this is what happened on uh, match day 24. Friday night saw El Sociedad and Cadiz play out a nil-nil draw. Then on Saturday, you were witness to a hashtag unexpected partidazo as Getafe beat Girona 3-2. It wasn't that actually that much of a partidazo, but there were five no, goals. Was... Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, Villarreal won away at Almeria, beating them by uh, two goals to nil to uh, Excellent goals, Gerard Moreno and Morales uh, getting on the score sheet for the yellow submarine. Elche won a match of football, a competitive game of association soccer. Incredible. They won 1-0 at Mallorca, their first away win of the season. Just extraordinary stuff from Los Ilitanos. And Atletico Madrid thrashed Sevilla by six goals to one at the Civitas Metropolitano. You were there to witness firsthand really quite... Extraordinary performance from uh, Antoine Griezmann. More on that in a moment. Then on Sunday, Valladolid beat Espanyol by two goals to one. I was commentating this game, this game that I'm sure that everyone around the world was watching. Mm. And in researching uh, games like this, you've come up with little interesting tidbits, or that's the idea. (laughs) And one that I found was that Espanyol hadn't won at the Stadio José Zorilla for 22 years. And that winless streak continues after that defeat this weekend. Barcelona beat Valencia by a goal to at the Camp Nou. It was scored by Rafinha. It was not a good game of football. Uh, not too much entertainment on display from either sides. Barcelona reduced to 10 men with Ronald Araujo sending off in the second half. Rayo and Athletic Club played out a nil-nil draw. Sydney can tell us all about his epic quest to get tickets for this game not so much about the game because it wasn't a brilliant match and then Betis and Real Madrid played out a nil-nil draw at the Estadio Benito Villamarín which was a brilliant match or certainly was highly entertaining although there were no goals Monday night footballist Osasuna against Celta Vigo before we get to the talking points uh, we've got some exciting news for you guys our patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP will be familiar with TSFP Presents which is our series where we take a a look at the history and culture of Spanish football we do series like classic teams or super seasons memorable matches fabulous foreigners and any other alliterative ideas that we can come up with starting this week we're going to be releasing one classic TSFP Presents episode per week for free 
here on the Monday podcast feed. The full archive, as well as brand new Rincon Cultural series starting this week, will be available exclusively for patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. But this will give the rest of you a taste of what you're missing. Look out for the first classic episode to drop here on the Monday podcast feed later this week. Let's start with the talking points then, and we'll start with uh, Real Betis nil, Real Madrid nil. Yes, it was a nil-nil draw, Sydney, but this was a really fun game, wasn't it? It was, and it was one of those games. Do you know when you when you one of the things that I think really underlines a fun game is when at the final whistle everybody is knackered, and everybody is knackered and sort of at the same time oddly satisfied with it, even though the result isn't particularly good for anybody. I mean, I think from Betis's point of view, a draw with Real Madrid is good, but it doesn't help them enormously in terms of their position in the table. It doesn't help Real Madrid at all. In fact, it's a very bad result from their point of view. But I, I still felt there was a, a kind of sense that we'd seen a Really enjoyable game, uh, a handful of pretty good saves. It was very open. It was it was kind of one of these games that really could have gone both ways. Although I think in the last fifteen minutes or so, if it was going to go anyway, it was going to go Real Madrid's, and and it was it was just a lot of fun. This I think there is something about the Sunday night game. Partly, obviously, the the very basic thing, which is the scheduling, means that it tends to be the best one of the weekend. But I think there's something about it being last that that I don't know why always seems to me to. To kind of make it the better match, although I don't always appreciate the fact that I've got to be up at, uh, late on a Sunday night. <laughs> I think it's just usually because it's the best game of the weekend. So I think it probably oh, is just that. It's just scheduling, really, isn't it? But, but there's it's something about it as well. Yeah. Um, Real Madrid, which I didn't say at the top of the program, are nine points behind Barcelona now after after this draw. They've only scored one goal in their last three games. You see, it's easy playing against Premier League sides. They put five past. Liverpool in the Champions League but when they're up against you know tough teams in in La Liga they've only managed to score one goal in three games and that was Alvaro Rodriguez's header from a corner against Atletico Madrid. Carlo Ancelotti says it's a lack of efficiency and afterwards he said something which I don't know if it was pointed or not but he said sometimes you dribble when you shouldn't you try a one-two when you shouldn't you pass instead of shooting we have to fix that. Mm. He talked as well didn't he about this idea of um, balance and it was quite nice to hear someone talk about balance this way round because I think actually balance normally becomes just a you know a, just a, just a way of saying defensive. <laughs> you know, we talk about the mid, <laughs> the midfielder that gives you balance is the defensive midfielder. Ah, oh, the team needs balance. What you mean is you want to be more defensive. But Ancelotti actually used it the other way round, and I was really pleased because he said, "Look, in recent weeks we've defended really well, but we need that balance back where we attack a lot better." Now I do think that. If you look at it, and, and, and actually he was, he, you know, he personally, without being pushed, made the point that it's three games, only one goal, and that was a dead ball. So he made that point. He wasn't, you know, waiting for someone to, to, to put it up there for, for discussion. He wasn't waiting for someone to, to push him on it. He, he, he raised it. And he, he seemed to be suggesting that, that, as I say, because he was talking about his balance, that there was something wrong. The, the one thing I would say in response to that is I don't think this is the same as the other two games. So, for example, against Barcelona, when they lost 1-0, they dominated possession. They had far, far more of the ball. They were territorially completely on top in that they were camped around the edge of the Barcelona area for a lot of the game, but didn't create a shot on target. The Atletico Madrid game, they did, obviously, because you've got Alvaro's goal, but they didn't create a huge amount. In this game, considering this is a way at a team as good as Betis, I actually thought that their, their attacking productivity was not too bad. I don't think it was brilliant, and I think he's right when he talks about dribbling when you shouldn't, play a one-two when you shouldn't. And I think there were times when they tried to overplay around the edge of the area. I think there were a few times when Vinicius' final ball wasn't as good as it might have been. But the 
the feeling watching this game was that Madrid carried a threat. And to be honest, in the previous two games, it didn't feel like that. Hmm. Whereas in this game, I did. Hmm. No, I think that's a, a, that's a fair assessment. On, on another night, they probably uh, would have scored. But Betis are a good team, despite yeah. not having Nabil Fakir or Sergio Canales. They're two best players. I think it's fair to say in terms of uh, talent, certainly yes. in terms of creativity, in terms of chance creation for Kieran Canales are way ahead uh, in the stats. They didn't have either of them. They're not going to have Fakir for the rest of the season, but they're still a good team. Young Rodri Sanchez did well. Yeah, and, and I thought Rui Bell played well as well. Yeah, I'm, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not always an enormous fan of him, but I thought he played very, very well. Rodri, I think, is a really nice player. Technically, he uses the ball very well. He's very tidy with it. He's prepared to put it down and, and, and take a risk with a pass, which occasionally means giving it away, but but I like him a lot. For a moment there, by the way, I, I thought Canales had, um, had, had turned either Irish or Scottish because you said for Fakir and Canales... And for, for, for you said Fakir and Canales, and I, I heard it as for Kieran Canales. I thought, well, who is this Kieran Canales character? Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think but, a new name I, has been born, a new nickname here, Kieran Canales. <laughs> Kieran Canales. Um, and they did use the ball well, and they did create a, a, a couple of chances. There's that one really brilliant save uh, against Borja Iglesias that that, um, that Courtois makes, sticking out his hand, and yes. Courtois does that so well, um, moving his hands quickly, but also being really strong that from close range. You know, it doesn't it doesn't push his hand back and, and go in any way. He, he keeps it strong. Um, there were there were moments I thought when when they used the ball well. I thought towards the end they started presumably tiredness. They started. I thought they took a few risks in the last eight or nine minutes that were surprising, to say the mm. least. There's, there's one in, there's about a minute and a half to go, even of added time. And they take the ball up the wing, and I think it's Luis Enrique, and he takes the ball up the wing, and he looks yes. to slow down, and you think, oh, he's going to the corner now. And he comes back and loses it. And you think, yeah. no, don't do that there. Um, but I thought they were very good. And I think it says something about Betis that this is the nature of the way they play. They, they, they don't really compromise. Now, I'm not going to claim that they're always massively expansive because actually sometimes they use possession for protection. But I think they're, they're well, there is a hashtag for this. They're a team that's always worth watching. They they are. They're the original always watch hashtag. They have a pretender, though, currently in La Liga, mm. uh, in Girona. Uh, more on them in uh, in just a moment. Next up for Real Betis, uh, a trip to the northwest of England to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United in the Europa League, which I'm sure they're very much looking forward to. It's a glamorous tie for this uh, huge, massive club, and their fans will be absolutely loving the chance to visit the theatre of dreams. Uh, if there is something you want us to talk about, ask us a question and we will answer it on tomorrow's uh, question and answer podcast exclusively for patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Going to move on because there's lots of stuff that we want to uh, pack in. Don't really want to dwell on Barca 1, Valencia 0, Barca's 8th 1 0 of the season in La Liga because um, it wasn't a particularly good game. We will talk about it though. I do want to next go to the match that you were at on Saturday night, Atleti 6, Sevilla. One, it was a, a special night for all sorts of reasons, not least because Diego Simeone took charge of Atletico Madrid for the 613th time, becoming mm. the manager who has taken charge of Los Colchoneros for the most number of matches in their history, surpassing the legendary Luis Aragonés. They had a nice uh, little presentation before the game. It was a, a special night for him. <laughs> and then Atleti delivered with this 6-1 thrashing of Sevilla. Um we can talk about the game in just a moment, but a word on, on Diego Simeone and surpassing that, that milestone of 612 games of Luis Aragonés. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary. It really, really is extraordinary. I feel like his players let him down enormously, though. 
if you're going to pay homage to Diego Simeone, you've got to win one nil with a ball from a corner headed in <laughs> by, by by a towering Uruguayan or or yes. you know at least at least some gnarled old centre back Brazilian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, they they were absolutely brilliant, and we'll get onto the game in a minute. The 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 achievement from Simeone is gigantic, and I think at times in the debate around Simeone, I think when we talk, of course, about the fact that Atletico have evolved into a club that are always in the Champions League that have the kind of budget that means they can spend 126 million euros on Jao Felix, although in truth they don't have the budget to do that and they probably shouldn't have done, um, where Simeone is the best paid manager in the world. And I think sometimes that that leads towards this debate about his style and I think it leads to a degree of criticism, which of course I can understand and, and you know I, I would never be opposed to any debate really so long as it's you know so long as it's about the football. Um, but I think I think at times it's daft, and I think at times it's daft, and I think at times it overlooks the absolutely enormous contribution he made. The fact that in the time that he's been in charge, he's won two league titles. Atletico Madrid are a club that have won ten in their entire history. Simeone Simeone has been there for the last three of them: two as a manager and one as a player. And uh, that takes us, you know, that takes us back to the, 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 well, the, as a player, it was in '96. I think the previous league title they won was in the '70s. Before that, so we're talking about a, just a monumental mental achievement um, we're talking about a man who's been through I think the time that he's been in charge I think Real Madrid have had eight different managerial spells admittedly two of those are Ancelotti and two of those are Zidane so you get the same faces again and again but it is extraordinary I think the degree of uh, kind of connection and identification with the club is huge I think he's given Atletico Madrid a discourse although I think part of the debate around him is about whether that discourse is still valid, whether it's still what they should be or what they should aspire to be. Um, I think at the time, I think it's forgotten now that in a way, one of the reasons why they turned to him was because he was kind of a shield for, for, for club owners and for a club that was in trouble. I think he was the one person that could bring together, agglutinate fans, um, owners, players, that sense that here's someone who's almost bigger than all of us that can bring this all together. And I think he's done that. And and I think he is a phenomenally successful manager. For all of the debates about his style, I, I personally think that part of him shouldn't ever be debated. I think, yes, of course, there comes a point where maybe you can discuss whether someone leaves or not. But that's not the same as saying that, you know, that there's a problem with him as such. And I also think that, you know, Atletico Madrid are now in third place. Now, I don't think it's ever a good idea for a club to become what the Spanish always refer to as conformista, you know, to just mm. acceptance of your, of your place in the world. But they are always there. And I don't think you can demand any more than that. You can maybe hope that once in a while it'll be better than that. But I don't think you can demand any more of that. And in that sense, they've absolutely um, responded to the expectations all the time. That said, of course, there's no doubt about it. This year, what happened in Europe was, was dreadful. Certainly was finishing bottom of an eminently winnable Champions League yes. group. Um, yeah. As you said, they're third in the table. Uh, first time in November uh, uh, since November that they've been uh, third. So they've clawed back at Real Sociedad, overtaken them, and we expect them to stay there now for the rest of yeah. the season. Although, um, let's see what happens in terms of Saturday night's uh, performance. That six-one thrashing, Antoine Griezmann was just sensational. You put out on Twitter suggesting that it was the best individual performance we've seen in La Liga this season. Sid, I think he's the best player in La Liga this season, isn't he? I was thinking that on Sunday, yeah. I think earlier in the season we were we were talking about Fede Valverde, we were talking about a little bit about Mikel Marino, of course we were talking about Lewandowski, um, but right now in terms of the consistency, it's Griezmann. You look back, of course, and we sort of forget because things happen so fast. Hmm. 
it's not that long ago that he could only play 30 minutes a game and he was still yeah. their best player. Yeah. And, you, and you look at him now and he does everything. And I realise that we've talked about this before and I don't want to labour the point, but I just love the fact that when you watch him play, this is a guy who is clearly far more talented than, than almost everyone on the pitch. And he works as if he was a donkey. You know, he, he defends, he runs, he makes headers. He, he's back in his own area. He's all over the pitch, but he does it with, with, a, with a degree of intelligence. I think that, obviously, the, the move to Barcelona didn't work out, partly because the only guy you know, in the world that maybe does his role better than him was already there. Um, and, and he was fabulous, absolutely fabulous on, on, on Saturday. That said, look, it is true. He was playing against a team that looked a real mess. Uh, let's move on and talk about Sevilla. I know you've been writing about them today. They did look an absolute mess. We thought that maybe they'd gotten themselves out of the relegation zone. They had four consecutive, uh, or the relegation battle, they'd had four consecutive home wins. We thought, right, that's it. They're going to push on. They're going to move away. They're going to move up the table. Uh, not a bit of it. They are level on points with 18th placed Almeria. They're 17th. They're only out of the relegation zone on goal difference. It is just a... It's, Sevilla is a catastrophe at the moment and it's not just on the pitch as well. There's all sorts of stuff going on the pitch which has to affect the players as well. And on Saturday, they were they were just awful. And I don't mean to sound rude because God knows Jorge Sampaoli knows more about football than me, but some of his decision-making has been, in terms of changes, in terms of personnel, in terms of team selection, have been really questionable, Sid. Yeah, um, and, and I'm like you on this. I'm always very, very uneasy about wading in on a manager um, because absolutely the starting point is the one that you've just flagged up. These guys know a million times more than us. Um, I'm also uneasy about wading into a manager in a scenario in which clearly a lot of the planning has gone wrong at Sevilla. There's a lot of noise around the club which can't be good. There are lots of players who are underperforming and take a degree of responsibility for that. But you're right, I I look at it sometimes and I think I, I just don't quite get it, I suppose is the way of putting it. I don't know if you saw his press conference post-game, but he was unintelligible at times. There was, there's one particular question, and I actually wrote it down verbatim this afternoon because <laughs> I was trying to work out if I could work out what he was saying. And I sort of wanted it to stand up on its own. And in the end, I didn't quote him anyway because I just thought that it sort of sounded a bit cruel. And, and most people speak in a way that's broken up. And obviously, we even do it on the podcast, even though it's a broadcast thing. And you, you, your mind goes in one direction and you stop and you come back and so on. But there's one answer in particular that he gives yesterday. And I genuinely don't know what he's saying. Um, there's no flow to it at all. It's like a series of random words thrown out there. Uh, and they're not even thrown out because, of course, he looks so downcast all the time. Mm. And it's curious as well because then some of the things he does say, it doesn't make sense. So he talks, for example, about not having a central defender, but then he plays with three at the back. If you haven't got more than one central defender, why are you crowbarring two into a position that's out of position. Maybe, obviously, you can argue that, well, to try and protect the fact that they're not actual, naturally central defenders. He was talking a lot at the weekend, and actually he did it before the game as well, in the pre-match press conference, about um, parches, you know, patches, you know, patching up a team, coming mm. up with short-term solutions. You know, you have almost this image of him putting a sticking plaster on a broken leg, and it's, this, this isn't going to help you. Um, 
and and so there's that as well. Obviously, it's a bit too easy to say say this, but you look back on that image of him sending on a piece of paper with instructions on it last week, and it wasn't just a piece of paper; it was the size of a map, pretty much. And and Acuna running over and and and, and screwing it up and throwing it on the floor. Bear in mind that it was five minutes to go at this point, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of me that thinks, is that now really the time to have two people looking at this thing as if it was instructions to a piece of IKEA furniture and trying to work out what the bloody hell they're supposed to do? And, and, and there's those kind of things. And then the other part, of course, and he's absolutely right, by the way, which, again, is why I'm uneasy about, about putting this up as a, as a criticism or at least as a part of analysis. Hmm. When he talks about the amount of noise and negativity around the team and so on and that they need to be calm and they can't lose their heads, he is right. Hmm. But we're talking about a manager who's been sent off twice since he's arrived, who only was on the pitch this week because one of the yellow cards they appealed... Otherwise, he would have had an extra ban for accumulation of yellow cards. <laughs> this is a guy that's been in charge for, what is it, 18 games or something? Mm. And, and has already picked up three, three suspensions. And so there's a bit of me that thinks, well, it's all well and good talking about calmness, but, but where is this calmness? Mm. Um, and, and there are elements of what's happening that I find baffling. Um, and, and they do look like a mess. Look, look, there's a lot of teams around them. And because there's a lot of teams around them, obviously there's a lot of chances of getting out. But but I'd be really worried about them, particularly if, if the next set of results don't don't come off. So for example, they go they play Almeria at home at the, the, the only team in La Liga who haven't won away all season. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> still Almeria, then Fatafa, then Cardiff, then Celta, then Valencia. Right? All of those, except possibly Celta, but let's see what happens tonight. All of those in theory are direct rivals against relegation. Now on the face of it, five in a row, direct rivals against relegation, this is a perfect opportunity. Beat three of for, them. For, for a new manager to come in. Yeah, well, maybe so. <laughs> beat, beat, beat three of them. And of course, they're, 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 to use the cliche, they're six pointers. So you mm. really climb out of there. Mm. But what if you don't? Mm. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, there are eight clubs separated by four points at the bottom of the table. Yeah. So 12th to 19th separated by four points. It is ridiculously tight. I, I worked it out, bottom. by the way. I was, I was going through it to work out how, how tight it is. In, yeah. the last, uh, in the last 10 weeks, nine different teams have been in the relegation zone. Now, admittedly, obviously, Elche have been, it, been in it almost all the way through that. But nine different teams have been in the relegation zone in, in, in the last 10 weeks. That is... A very clear indication of how tight it is at the at the bottom of the table. Sevilla very much in a relegation battle, as are Valencia, who remain second bottom after losing uh, at the camp now against a really rather underwhelming Barcelona, who did have to play mm. a large chunk of the second half with uh, one man fewer after Ronald Araujo's sending off. Uh, Barca's eighth 1-0 win of the season, as we said, courtesy of a, a Rafinha-headed goal uh, 15 minutes after the... Um, after the start, there was controversy in this game because a penalty wasn't given to Valencia, which very much seemed like uh, it, it was it was a penalty. And the VAR wasn't consulted. The referee was very, very adamant immediately. Absolutely no uh, penalty. And so um, no penalty was given to uh, uh, Valencia. Barca, we keep saying they can't keep winning matches 1-0 like this and not playing particularly well, but they, but they do. They do, and I, I think it's slightly different to, way, to the way that they were winning games 1-0 earlier in the season. Because remember a conversation we had, I'm guessing, what, two months ago, something like that, roughly, when we were saying their defensive statistics are, 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 are slightly false. We didn't think they defended well. I think, in fairness to them, I think in the last four or five of these 1-0s, they generally have. Now, the problem is, of course, that when you're only 1-0 up, you're on edge. Now, we saw that in, when they dropped points against Espanyol in the derby. We saw it with a penalty. 
We saw that last night when they really probably should have dropped points against Valencia because I must admit I watched it the first time and I thought it wasn't a penalty. I've watched it again and I think it absolutely is. It absolutely is, is yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think I think they probably should have dropped points there, although who knows, maybe Valencia missed the penalty. Um, and, and so I, I think that they can keep doing it within certain structures. And I think this brings us back to the point that you made, which is that, of course, they finished this game down to 10 men because Ronald Araujo was sent off. They now go to San Mamés without Araujo. And I don't know about you, but if there's one player in the Barcelona team who I most do not want to go to San Mamés without, yes. it's Araujo. Yes, that's true. If you're going to go for a wintry Sunday night game in Bilbao, you do need your Uruguayan man mountain at the back to try and help you get yet another clean sheet. I mean, you say they've been defending better in recent weeks. I mean, yes, against Valencia, Almeria and Cadiz, their last three um Yes, exactly. Last three games. These aren't great I mean, teams. These aren't. These aren't. These yeah, aren't, these aren't great. These aren't teams. great teams. And Valencia actually were quite a bit disappointing. They only managed one shot on target all game. I mean, they played for you know half an hour with a man extra. They were in desperate need of of something from this game, and there wasn't really anything from them. No, no, and and I, I think it's. I think Valencia have a. Well, I think Valencia have a number of problems, obviously, but I think one of them is about the change in manager. Now, I'm not by that saying. My God, they shouldn't have signed Ruben Baraja, although actually, of course, his record is really not very good at all. Um, that's not to say that it won't be good. It's not to say he won't be a good coach. Although, again, as I say, the record's not good. And listening to him, he's not entirely convincing, to be perfectly honest with you. The problem I think they have there is, of course, that they had built a squad to do a certain thing. And they're now trying to do something totally different. And it's not like they've bought players in the meantime mm. to, to make that shift happen. And so I think Ruben Baraja, who wants them to be more defensive, and of course that's natural, who wants them to play a bit more on the break. And actually, I think they've got one or two players who can do that. But I'm not sure that they're set up to do what he now is trying to, to get them to do. And so I'd, I'd still be worried about Valencia. I mean, obviously, because they're in the relegation zone. But, I'm, but I, mean, I mean, even beyond the fact of the position they're in, I would be worried about them. Can you imagine if Sevilla and Valencia go down, Sid? Just, I mean, I mean it would be extraordinary now for what it's worth they probably shouldn't they should probably neither of them go down but 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 Valencia right now I think Valencia if you name your free I think Valencia probably are in it it is a um, almost unprecedented uh, situation that we're in uh, with these uh, with these two giants of Spanish football battling to avoid uh, relegation a quick word about the uh, two other games uh, that you attended uh, this weekend you queued for three hours and 24 <laughs> minutes. Three hours, 24 minutes for a ticket to Rio Nil Athletic Club. Nil, obviously, you didn't know it was going to be a pretty scrappy goalless draw. You <laughs> did have credit. People were saying, why doesn't he get a press? He did have press accreditation, but his son wanted to go. So he queued all that time to get a ticket for his boy to go to the game. Well done, Sydney, father of the year. Although it's a <laughs> little bit sadistic, isn't it? inflicting that that game on your on your son. But I'm sure I'm sure he enjoyed it in the pouring rain, watching you know, two sides that couldn't string two passes together. Certainly in the first half, it, it it wasn't a good game. But yeah, people keep mentioning to us what they don't have online ticket sales. That no. They don't have online ticket sales at Rivera, yeah. the only professional football team in Spain that don't. So, yeah. yeah, and, and I, obviously, you know, we've laughed at that this before, but I'll be honest, when I was standing in that queue for a very long time, I did actually think this is genuinely out of order, not because of me, but because of lots of people. There, there were people in that queue. I actually, the guy, the guy just behind me in the queue was on crutches 
Like every 20 minutes or so, he had to go and sit down mm. and then sort of come and take his place back again. Um, there were elderly people in the queue. It was freezing cold. And there was one part of the queue where I was just desperate to get into the bit where the sun, where the sun at least heated it up. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's really bad because there is just no excuse for it. There is genuinely no excuse for it. And I'm not saying put it on online. I mean, you know, one argument might be, yeah, but not everyone can go online and rest it. Okay, fine. You still sell some at the ticket office. If needs be, you keep a quota back that you will not sell online. But of course, what you do is you alleviate the pressure on the guys behind the ticket window by putting some of them on, on sale online. It's, it's, it's just absolutely nuts. There, was, um, there were people who queued for at least two hours and didn't get tickets this game yes I mean, there is, will there will have been because yeah. by the time i got there there weren't very many left yeah. many left yeah absolutely absolutely ridiculous um anyway um i uh i've got my new hashtag and i'm sticking with it and i'm rolling with it and it's hashtag always watch girona watch them because yeah. their games are full of goals and it's not just me saying that or having the impression that they're an entertaining side statistically their yeah. games average the most number of goals in la liga this season they've got the third best attack only, only Barcelona and Real Madrid have scored more goals than them. And they've got the fourth worst defence as well. So they almost guarantee goals and entertainment. It was quite funny in the pre-match press conference. Michel, the, the, the manager, was speaking about how they've been conceding too many goals. Like, yeah, we definitely need to improve in defence. It's something we need to take a step forward. It's a part of our play that we're working on. And we absolutely need to try and uh, improve because we won't win matches if we keep conceding these games. And then, bam, 109 seconds into the game, they commit a defensive error and they're 1-0 down to Getafe. They were 3-0 down at half-time. They got two back because they always score. Miguel Gutierrez um, scored an absolutely lovely goal. He became the Mm. 15th different uh, Girona player to score this season. No other team has had 15 different scorers in La Liga. Another reason to always watch Girona. Uh, But yeah, uh, watch them. They might win, they might lose, but there will be goals. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mitchell was interesting after this game because he said that he had felt in the build-up to it that he really should move to three at the back. Yes. And then he said that he he was thinking about it and thinking about yeah. it and thinking about it and then decided, yeah, but if I do that, it changes the message. And it changes the message to a team that's playing well, scoring goals, that's really positive. And if I suddenly kind of basically bring them down with my negativity, <laughs> this, this could really rebound against it. He said, so I was thinking, I really want to do this, but I'm not going to. Mm. And I was really pissed off with myself because we then paid for it. So he said, look, responsibility is totally mine. No one else's fault. I don't think that's actually true because I think even if you play the way that they played, you can still execute that attempt to bring the ball out much better than they did for the first goal, which they make a terrible, terrible mess of. It's a funny, it's a funny one, this, because it was entertaining. There was a lot of goals, but I think I'd be right in saying there's five goals in this game. I don't think either goalie makes a really outstanding save. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it might be one of those where basically everything that happened went in. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, listen, like I said, if there's something that we haven't spoken about, send us a question. We'll answer it on the Q and A pod. Before we go, a quick word about the Segunda Las Palmas atop by o- only by a point after their nil nil draw at Andorra on on Friday. Abar a second, Levante uh, who are third. They lost in the league for the first time since October three nil at Huesca and Granada are level on points with them in fourth. Oviedo are now down to 18th. They're six points outside the relegation zone after losing 1-0 at Mirandes. Looking over their shoulder nervously now because uh, it's not been a particularly good run for the mighty rail Oviedo. 
And poor old Malaga, the mighty Malaga, are now 10 points from safety after losing their massive relegation six-pointer with Rathing at home at the weekend. They sold out La Rosaleda. We're talking about a crowd of 30,000 to come and see them lose and be 10 points from safety. And it looks like another really big Spanish club is going down to the third tier of Spanish football to join the likes of Deportivo La Coruña and Real Murcia and and some other big names in uh, the history of Spanish football dwindling in the third tier. But there we go. Uh, Listen, that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. As we said, there is going to be a TSFP Presents episode out on this feed later on in the week. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your pods to get access to that. Uh, We'll delve into the archives and hopefully you will find that entertaining. We're going to be over at Patreon for the rest of the week with lots more content for you. So come and join us then, amigos. And if you don't want to, it's fine. We'll be back here next Monday, as always. Adios. Cheerio. Podcast Network.